Hello and welcome. I'm your host Tyler here with Nick. And you're listening to Makeshift Meeples, where we won't teach you how to play board games, we just talk about them. Nick, what are we playing today? This week on Makeshift Meeples, Fire in the Library. Fire in the Library is designed by Tony Miller and John Prather, with art by Katie Cow and Beth Sobel. Publishing is provided by Weird Giraffe Games. In Fire in the Library, the player librarians are caught in the midst of a tragedy. The library and the contents of all human knowledge is burning, and only a select few books can be saved. Trying to acquire more books increases the chance to lose it all as the library burns faster and faster and faster. Recognized Beth Sobel's name as an artist. I've been reading. Yeah, she's done some other games that we've done, hasn't she? Yeah, I actually can't remember the specific title, but uh, but I do remember liking her art. Yeah, I I think she's a very interesting artist, and she makes their whimsical almost oh yeah oh yeah especially this game this is uh we're playing fire in the library yeah and so this week we take the role of nerdy bookworms hey man my wife's a librarian (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i don't have any problem with librarians i i think that it's kind of cool though that they made a game where players play as librarians it's kind of a cool theme there's do you remember the um the movies, I think the title Librarian. Wasn't there a TV series? There may have been a TV series, but I remember there's like four movies. I can't even remember the main actor, but I, for some reason I weirdly enjoyed them as a child. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, because it was, we, we are pretty much doing the same thing as he did in those movies. Granted, uh, this time we're saving the library from burning. We're trying to save the knowledge as opposed to trying to save the knowledge from the outside walls, you know, the world at large. Yeah, because the library's on fire. Yeah. It's funny. I think they did say that it's supposed to be like like the sum of human knowledge. And that kind of reminds me of the, the Library of Alexandria. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's right? exactly where my brain went. And I, I, I wonder if they, if they didn't go with that, you know, like historical or whatever you want to call it, that historical theme for a reason. And they just went with like magic. It's not really magic per se, but you look at the art and I Here's think it's kind of magical. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of cool. Um, I mean, the Library of Alexandria did burn. It did. Well, it did, but it's it's like it's almost fantasy at this point. Like yeah, like because there's nobody really talks about it. We don't have any like records other than like some people wrote about it in books. It could be like the Cthulhu mythos. Like people just talked about it like it was a real thing, you know. But it was it actually just some dude. Yeah, it could have been like one guy wrote about it and the other guy's like, oh, it'd be great if there was a library with all human knowledge in it. I want to put that in my book. Oh my gosh. It could be like that. So you're saying it may not be a real thing. Conspiracy theory. Library Library of Alexandria never existed. Didn't exist. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the game. Um, This game is more interesting than that conspiracy theory. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually thought that this game was going to be more difficult to understand than it was. It was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Another quick play, quick, easy to pick up. It's a push-your-luck game, so... Yeah, and I had never heard that term before, push-your-luck game, right? Really? No, I, I, when I read it, I was like, that's not a genre. That's just some, like, buzzword. very much a genre, yeah. Yeah, but it didn't seem like a game that I was used to. But all we're really doing is picking player uh, turn order cards, and they all have like, like essentially probability distributions. They're pictures, but yeah. they're probability distributions. And then after, when it's your turn, you 
draw a what is that cube out of a yeah. bag a cube the corresponding color of the cube equals um, an amount of points you could gain based upon looking at these tree cards but if you decide to keep trying to save books and you get red cubes uh, i think two red cubes means that you know all your books catch on fire whoa you were oh. trying to save more books and the books you had in your hand started flame yeah they like ignited right right next yeah. to you. i think they even say you catch on fire which i don't know because then you run out and roll around and yeah stop drop good. and roll is then you the can go common. again yeah Anyway, uh, there's also visuals on the card to represent these things called the risky spaces. They're like flames. Yeah. And if you get any fire in a risky space, then you also lose your books. Lose your books, yeah. yeah. So realistically, it's a really straightforward, but in the rules, they're kind of like, I don't want to say wordy, because I think they're easy to understand, but it looks like it's going to be difficult, more difficult than possible. So I think it's interesting going to this game right after playing Zombie Kids because... They're both fairly light mechanically games. However, they both have a decent amount of strategy. With one major difference. Zombie Kids rulebook is like literally two pages with pictures. Fire in the Library's rulebook is like 16 pages with very minimal pictures. So they use a bunch of images they on do. the cards. And I think that they try to explain every single image. Yeah. Which makes it more lengthy. And there's also a, um, like a multiplayer variant, or I guess it's, that's just the main game. Yeah. But then there's a single player variant, which they need to explain the rules for too. And since the, that's true. the cards have symbols that are used in one game or and not the, in the other. Yeah, yeah. Then it kind of extrapolates the rule book's length. True. True. I mean, Zombie Kids also has, you can play a single player, but it doesn't really change things that much, I guess. Yeah. So. But it, it's just interesting that you have that contrast between the two games while mm -hmm. similar in a lot of ways in, in the depth of game or how complex it is. They're both pretty light. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a very significant difference in the rule books. But I think that comes down to the designer as well. And I, I'm glad that Fire in the Library has that long of a rule book because there are a lot of like very particular instances or different interactions that it's nice they spell those out. And they just say, you know, when this happens, this is how it works. Versus, I think there's just less of those kinds of interactions in, in other games. So. Yeah. So they have a player aid card here. Which is actually really good. And I'm super glad they do this because we always talk about this. Yeah. And I think the game is just complex enough that you need it. Yeah. Because there, there are these... Uh, tool cards that have timing restrictions on them. They have to be played at a specific point, yep. Yeah, and Which, so... Which, it would make a huge difference with some of these. Mm -hmm. But I almost wish that on the player aid card, they would tell you exactly when to do everything, because for some reason it says after scoring on here, but it doesn't say, like, before saving books or after saving books. So I think that that, like, slight little thing would help me mm -hmm. a little bit more. But once you understand the timing restrictions, I've, it becomes pretty straightforward to play. Mm -hmm. uh, you can only play the card when it's got the symbol um, of the corresponding time. Well, I think the nice thing is all of the equipment cards that we're talking about, they have the same symbol as what's on the player aid as well. Yeah. So it does kind of give you an idea of exactly when you can play that particular card as well. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, I think Fire in the Library is one to six players. Yeah, which is interesting because I feel like a lot of times when you have games that run that big of a gamut, they typically technically can play from one to six, mm -hmm. but really it's, you know, a three to four player game or something like that. And we played with three players a couple times. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about the game, adding that fifth and sixth player, I think would be very interesting. I think it would change how 
many points you would want to have to really feel secure in first place before the library burns. Yeah, so one thing I noticed is that the game is relatively short and it's variable. So it could be it could be five minutes or it could be 30 minutes. Well, that's something else I was going to bring up is we played with three players a couple of times. And there was one time that like 30-something was a winning score. Yeah. And then in another game, you got to almost 100 at that point. That's true. So it completely can change from one game to the next. And that's part of the randomness of drawing books out of the fire bag. Like, mm-hmm. it, it can be a high-scoring game. It can be a low-scoring game. And that's something you kind of have to play by ear as you're getting into the first turn or two and see how far you want to push your luck. Mm-hmm. So that actually brings up a good point. Uh, when the library burns or when, when your books catch fire, the uh, it's kind of smart how they did the uh, the mechanic. Yeah. Because there's parts I like and parts I don't. So if you have, let's say, two books, and then your bags catch fire, then the parts of the library that burn are corresponding to the books that you have. Yep. So if you have a purple book, then the purple section burns. If you have a purple and a yellow, then the purple and the yellow section burn. Uh-huh. But if you don't have any books, then there's this number on each of the cards that corresponds to, I guess it's burn rate index yeah. or something. It's flammability, call it what you will. And that's the part of the library that burns. So I think it's kind of interesting that they did it that way. But it also penalizes the group I think is a way to think about it, when you push your luck too far. And I don't know if that feels good or bad. I don't think it necessarily penalizes the group, but it does progress the game. Because the game ends when one of those sections of the library is completely burned yeah. out. So so players can kind of take the speed of the game into their own hands. Yeah. Right? But if somebody just keeps pushing their luck, keeps pushing their luck, and then they don't get any points, well, that means that everybody else has less time to do what they want to do. They have less time, but you have to remember, as different sections of the library burn down... Books from that section are worth way more. That's true. So, yeah, as the game comes to an end, then you have a higher chance to score more points. So there's a catch-up mechanic almost built A little bit, yeah. Did did you feel, like, when I was at 80 points, did you feel like I was uncatchable? No, I don't think so. Because at that point, we had, like, three sections of the the library where books were worth, like, nine points apiece. Mm Mm-hmm. So if I can save three books, that's 30 points almost, 28, whatever, 27. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a pretty good amount to make up in a single turn. Well, and the tools can give you points too, right? Yeah, there's some tools that would let you, like, double score books. There were tools that would let you uh, draw extra cubes and set aside fire so you could push a little bit harder. Like, there was plenty of different ways to really make up points pretty quickly towards the end of the game. I really like the cards. I thought I wouldn't. Because when I look at them, they're all big blocks of text. Yeah. But they all do, I would say, relatively unique things that make your turn feel special. Oh, yeah. Because I remember I used the torch. And I don't know why there's a torch in a fire, how that helps. But what it does... It attracts is, flame. Yeah, like you said, it lets you... Yeah. It lets you draw three cubes and all the fire you draw, you can put on there. And all the cubes that, that are books, you can put on your player card. Yeah. So it gives you like a free three draws from the bag. Uh-huh. And you only really ever get five draws a turn, so it's quite a, quite a big advantage. Yeah. If you well, and get... there's another one that's like, I think it was a shovel, where you twice on your turn you can pull two cubes out, put one on your thing, and put the other one back in, or if it's fire, set it aside. Yeah. So it's another way of like kind of sifting through your draws to try and get to good books and throw the fire out. Yeah, I, I liked them. I think that it adds enough 
interest to Fire in the Library that it's worth worth playing, right? Yeah. If and you I, don't take the tool, you're disadvantaged. Well, and I think the other thing about this game is if you burn your books, then you get to acquire a tool. Yeah. So there is almost, like you said, that catch-up mechanic built into it where, yeah, you burn books, but you're probably going to get a decent little ability that you can use later on as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, that's another good point. If you if you burn books, you always get a tool. But on the turn order cards, there's also a row for um, it's called the bravery bravery yeah. row or something. And so if you're in a safe space and you end your turn, then you get a tool. But if you're in a risky space and you end your turn, then you get points. Right. Which I guess points are worth more than tools, but it almost seems like they're not. Because like on the fourth place card, you could get one, two, three, four books before hitting a risky space. Yep. And even the, if you hit that, it's only another two points. Yeah, two points is not worth a lot. But that tool, as we discussed, could be worth many, many more. Or theoretically, it just depends turn. on what's available to you. Yeah, yeah. very interesting. Um, I didn't think about that. Until I think they did a really time. good job of balancing uh, the player order cards. With going early, you can score a ton of points, mm-hmm. but there's definitely a much higher risk that you burn all the books that you're trying to save as well. Mm-hmm. So it it's got a it's got a really good and interesting balance to that versus like going fifth or sixth or even third or fourth. Like you've got a number of safe spaces. However, if you ever pull two fire cubes, your turn's over anyway. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how much you push that. Yeah, let's talk about the art a little bit. Because yeah. I know we had discussed maybe the, the player turn order cards, and we talked a little bit about the tool cards, but what did you think about the library and tree thing? I actually really liked the concept of as the library burns, yeah. it reveals more fire. Each section, yeah, as you go deeper into it, there's more and more fire on the card that d- signifies that section. Yeah. To where you get to the very end where it's almost just a charred hulk of the section. <laughs> like, there's yeah. not a lot left there. Yeah, that's the afterburn. The afterburn. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so I really like that touch. I think yeah. it's a little bit of polish that really makes the game stand out. And uh, besides that, they kind of, they, they have a, a bag to pull these dice out of. And it's just a gout of flame all over the bag. Yeah. So I think that they really did a good job of, like, theming this uh, to fit yeah, the because you're pulling topic. books out of the fire, which is a bag covered in yeah, flames. Yeah, no, I think I think it really plays well, yeah. and your scoreboard is like you putting books away in like a safe library. Yeah, and I'm not gonna say the scoreboard looks fantastic, but it's also inside of this really nice fancy box that looks kind of like a book. Yeah, I like the box. I don't. I'm undecided on the whole where they put the scoring page for it just because i i feel like it requires you to have out this large thing that maybe there isn't necessarily room for i mean this is a small enough game you can easily play it on a coffee table that takes up a pretty considerable amount of space though and makes that a little more difficult to do what what would you think if instead of on the cover of the box or as they call it the dust cover oh yeah yeah they had an insert here that you just took out and then it was in the center of the box and then you didn't have this big thick player board here you just had the center of the box that you took everything out of to i mean if it was the same size as like the front or the back i think that would work because mm-hmm. it, it's not a huge box is the nice thing and like i said i'm just talking about like if we're going to play this on a small play space like a coffee table 
there's not usually a ton of extra space on a coffee table for most games. Mm -hmm. This one, I think you can still play on a coffee table. I just think that takes up maybe a little bit more room than it needs to. Yeah. So and we're talking about being picky about a very finite thing here. Yeah. So one, one thing that I did notice that's not related to the art is that, uh, like you said, the box is small. And but there's a lot of stuff inside of it, and it kind yeah. of spreads out. It does. So it's not very impressive to look at per se because it's not doesn't take up a large like. I mean, like on the shelf, it's not impressive, space. but once you play it, it is. Yeah, yeah, it plays well. But just as like an onlooker, I don't know what I'd think of it, right? Would I say like, oh, I don't want to play Gloomhaven today. I want to go play Fire in the Library because I see people playing it. Like it's almost hard to tell what people are doing. I think this game is fun because of the choices, though, not because of how it looks or yeah. how it looks on the table. Like mm -hmm. It's fun because of the push-your-luck element of the choices. Sure, sure. Yeah, I do agree. Uh, what were some of the things that you really liked about Fire in the Library, and what were some of the things you didn't like about it? Well, um, there was one thing I didn't like, and that's a, this is an issue with every push-your-luck game ever. There's just not a lot to do on another player's turn other than encourage them to burn their books so they don't score points. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the only thing to really do on somebody else's turn. Yeah, I really liked the tools. I thought that they added a lot of value, but my problem with the cards is that there's a lot of text on them, so it could be hard to read all of them when you're supposed to take one. And since you get one almost every turn, then it adds extra time that, was, that could have been reduced. Yeah, sure. I think it's a really fun push-your-luck game. I enjoyed it. I think it's a, a great game to play between heavier things to kind of lighten things up and just encourage your friends to make bad choices. That's always fun, right? Mm -hmm. In a non... Uh, in an area that it doesn't have really big, you know, consequences. I thought that the catch-up mechanic for the points on the books made it feel fair, and it it's not... A Fire in the Library isn't one of those games that you're going to feel slide it at even though there's a lot of randomness mm -hmm. because it's so fast sure um the last thing i thought was really cool was the whole uh library sections how as they get removed there's more and more fire on there and they come together the four different sections make a neat little piece of art as well that it's just kind of fun to look at and see how it changes as the game goes along i really did like that there is a single player version of fire in the library so if you maybe don't have a lot of friends mm -hmm. or you want to like play it just to uh do something by yourself you can mm -hmm. and i've never really played single player games but i know a lot of other people out there really do like them so yeah. it's cool that you have a game that can be played with up to six and down to one yep one other thing i really like about this game is the name of the company i think this was their first game as well mm -hmm. so it's a it's a fun one, and I think it's worth checking out for sure. Yeah, look into it. That's all for this week. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Makeshift Meeples. You can see more about our upcoming shows on our website, makeshiftmeeples.com, as well as offer us feedback or contact us about games you would like to see on the show. If you enjoyed the episode, there are a number of ways you can help us keep this thing going. Share this episode with a friend. Hit that subscribe button so that you're notified of future episodes. Like and follow us on social media. And you can support us on the Patreon and Anchor app.